0: Well, good day, Fellowship family. It's really good to have you here as we conclude our series called Awkward to Awesome. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about this message in particular because it really addresses our hearts. You know, as we talk about navigating through difficult relationships and challenges within relationships, conflict, all those kinds of things, so many times I hear about people going through loss, loss of respect, loss of trust. Loss of direction. Loss of bearing. And, and when they come and meet with us as pastors, we hear this a lot. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. How do I navigate through this? And, uh, it's, it's kind of a feeling of lostness. Lost in a relationship. That's what I want to talk to you about because I believe that God is passionately committed to helping us find lost people. And helping us uh, to come alongside and aiding us to be restored back to him. And whether it's a lost relationship with God or a lost relationship with each other, God wants to restore us. You know, when Jesus was on this earth, he had a mission. And Luke calls it out really clearly. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, For the, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And one of the key passages on this is in Luke 15. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Luke chapter 15. And we're really going to see God's heart for lost, for the lost. Jesus is uh, speaking to, uh, at this time in his ministry, he had two different types of people following him. They didn't get along. And whenever they were together, it was awkward. And so he addresses this in Luke chapter 15. Let's take a look in verse 1. It says, here's the first group of people. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And then look at the second group of people. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So these two very different groups. First group was the tax collectors. And if you were a tax collector especially a jewish tax collector you were despised by all the other jews because you were a turncoat you went and had allegiance with the roman government which ruled the area at the time and rome worshipped caesar which meant that they didn't worship the one true god of the old testament and so they would be people who were the sinners they would be the people who rejected god and were away from him outside of the family of god And then you had the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees were dedicated to God's word. They were dedicated to being obedient to God. They were the faithful. And they saw themselves in the world as the faithful few. And they called others sinners, rejects, far away from God, without hope. And it's this group that was grumbling because Jesus had a group of people who were leaning into him, who for once in their life felt accepted by him. And because he claimed to be God, they actually realized then that if he accepted them, God accepted them. And so it was a very awkward environment. It was a very awkward environment. And to this, Jesus gives three stories. And he gives three stories to represent a larger truth about who God is and what his heart is, who he is, and how he loves people. The first story was about, he says, which of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one of them, wouldn't leave the 99 and go searching for that one lost sheep? And when you find it, you, you lift it up and you celebrate, look, this sheep, it was lost, now it's found. He said, I tell you, there's more celebration or more rejoicing in heaven Over this one sheep, then the 99 who are righteous and don't view themselves as lost. And then he tells the second story. And it's about a a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of them. And she freaks out and she turns the house upside down. She sweeps the floor. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and says, look, this lost coin, it's found. And she rejoices. And Jesus says, again, I tell you the truth. There's celebration in heaven when one sinner repents. And then he tells this third story. And this is a story that really gets to the heart of the issue. Let's take a look at it. It's in verse 11 of chapter 15 of Luke. He says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Let's keep following it. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Here's what I'll do. I'll arise and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, here it is. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but, but the father cuts him off and he said to his son or his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger or on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring out the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat. Let's celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. First son. Let's take a look at the second son. He's the older son. Look what it says here. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And he called to one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he received him back safe and sound. But he, this brother, was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But as he answered his father, look, look, these many years I served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, When he returned, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother. This brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I remember reading this in seminary. And I had uh, the benefit of having two really awesome professors build into me and teach this passage to me. One of them was Dr. Mark Bailey, who's now the president of Dallas Theological Seminary. And the second one was a guy by the name of Dr. Daryl Bach. And Dr. Bach wrote a a two-volume set on commentary on Luke, each of them around 900 pages, okay? I have them. They sit in my office. And they sit in my office, But this dude knows the book of Luke. He knows what Luke's purpose was. And he explained this to me and opened it up and enlightened me to something that really took me by surprise. Because I always read this from the younger son perspective. It's the son who's had it with dad. He wanted his things, but he didn't want dad. So he leaves home and he goes and we always would preach this. Young son, come home, come home. But they introduced me to the second son. And then I read more recently, in 2009, a book by Timothy Keller called *Prodigal God*, where we focused on we brought the focus down the prodigal son, which prodigal literally means reckless, squandering living, you know, just blow it all. And and he puts forth that really the main character is the father, the father who loves recklessly. So it's with the reckless love of the father that they both revealed, all, all these guys who built into me on this passage, they ultimately revealed to me that both sons are lost. It's not just one. It's real easy to see the first, the younger one, and just make the statement, that guy is lost, but then to see the one who stays, the one who's faithful, but the one who's very self-righteous, very judgmental very opinionated. This guy is still outside of the family. He's not with the father. He's not in the celebration. They're both lost. Let's take a look at them. Let's try to unpack them and try to figure out, because I'm going to ask you at the end, I'm just preparing you, which son do you have most tendencies to be? Let's take a look at the first one, the younger son. This son was lost in opportunity and independence. As you look at these two sons, I think there's the two major ways to live your life in today's culture. The first one says, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I can determine my own truth. I want to live life on my own terms. I want truth under what makes sense to me, what makes me happy. So I'm going to leave conventional wisdom. I'm going to leave communities of faith. I'm going to leave any place that's a higher authority on me that restricts me from being me. And I'm going to seek an opportunity and I'm going to be independent. This group celebrates personal rights. It celebrates freedoms. It celebrates all the different colors of whatever you want to select of beliefs in your life when it comes to theology this group tends to say i'd like to think that god is doesn't matter what the bible says because we can have self-discovery we can discover god on our own he's a big god with many ways to him and i'm going to pursue him and so they view people who have one way and one person to which their salvation is bigoted people And they leave that fold. And they seek their answers. But where does it leave them? And here's what we're finding. Just like the younger son in this story. This group is overspent. In that passage, it says, when he spent everything, my goodness, we know what it's like to chase the next dream, the next upgrade, the next addition, uh, ed- the new addition. We, we chase after that. And each of them requires time and energy and money. And we are spent. We're overspent on time and on money and on resources. We're exhausted people seeking after the next thing to fulfill us. And that's the other thing. They live in isolation. Here you have a uh, a Jewish boy who's working with pigs. If you come from a Jewish background, you know what I'm talking about. You speak the code. Jews don't eat pork. Okay? Practicing Jews don't eat pork. I've gone to Israel and I've tried to order bacon two times. They don't serve it. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And here he is working for pigs and not just longing to eat pork, but what? The pigs ate, the pods in which he ate. So there's no lower position for him to be, but very isolated. And he's lost himself. He's lost that element, the picture, the fingerprint of his family. He's lost. He's lost in being overspent. He's lost in isolation. And he's lost in longing. He longed to be back with the father. This longing. I think there's something in all of us who long to be home. We all have a picture of what home looks like. And when that's lost, there's an emptiness. But there's a longing for things to be back together. This brother walked away. And in the in the picture of this story, he has a moment where he comes to himself, the passage says. He comes to himself and he thinks, what if? What if I came back to the father? Well, the second group is the older brother, and this older brother is also lost, but he's lost in a very different way in morality and conformity. This older brother looks at the younger brother and says, that's what's wrong with society today. It's those people who go they leave the church they leave the fold and this person says and we get an in, uh, an insight into the attitude of this older brother when his father comes out and pleads with him come into the party your brother's home and this is what he says he says look in other words you don't see what i see and he says this to his father look i've stayed here i've been the good son And I've never disobeyed you as far as I'm concerned. I've never disobeyed you. So he has a self-righteous perspective. And he looks down on anyone who comes back into the fold who doesn't deserve it. And here's how we operate as the older brother. We operate when we think that we can we need to live a good life and earn God's favor. We operate as the older brother when the, and this group operates as the older brother by saying we need to be obedient to God's word. We need to and and to live with that obligation but lose our love in the process. And people need to think like us. And if they don't, then they're out. And the older brother church looks like this at people coming in. Look at them. They don't look like me, they don't vote like me, they don't believe like me, they don't dress like me, they don't know the Bible like me, and everything itself is their comparison and it robs them of a relationship with God and a relationship with others. You may have left an older brother church. That may be you. Some of you may go, boy, this is my family, my literal family. We've got a younger brother and we're like this on on Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're like, what is going on? And you feel that sense of superiority. You feel that you're in the right and they're in the wrong. But here's the passage. The stunning revelation of this passage is that this brother's on the outside. He's not in with the family. And if you look at the context, which is important as you read the scriptures, it's important to look at what was happening in the life of Jesus, who were the younger brother. The younger brother was the, was the, was the tax collectors and the sinners who were listening and were following. And they were coming back to God, who was the older brother, the scribes and the Pharisees who looked at Jesus like this and grumbled. Both sons, both sons were lost. Both sons are lost. And so the call of the father in this story is this, come home, come home to the father. And we see it represented. We see it. We see him going and looking for, we see him looking at a distance at the younger son returning. And we see the father leaving the party to go out and plead with the older brother to come back in. Both sons, both lost, both called. We're all called back to the father. We're all called back home. And we have home with the, with the father. What will, what will life be like with the father? I think whether you're a younger brother or older brother, there's a certain fear. If you're the younger brother, you're, you're like, and you're not at the end of yourself. You haven't come to yourself yet. It's like, man, I don't want to go back to dad. There'll be restrictions. There'll be shame and guilt. There'll be obligations. I'm better here away. And if you're the older brother, they're like, wait a minute. I can't control my faith. There's people who are worse than me who are here. No way, you know. This is my holy huddle. There's the fear of what you'll have with the Father. And I think Jesus is really intentional in addressing what's life with the Father look like. Here's a few indicators. There's five. One in the five that are shown in this passage. The first one is this. There's love. There's love. Here you have the unthinkable, reckless son saying, Father, in no uncertain terms. He goes, I wish you were dead. Why? Because when you die, that's when the inheritance will come to me. So it's better for me to have it and have your things without you. And I'll leave you so you don't have to leave. You don't have to die. That's the unthinkable. What does the father do? He, the father, gives it to his son. I mean, if you were a Jew Jew in the audience there and you heard this, you would go, he did it. He divided. No way. That's crazy. That's reckless that the father would. Why would he do that? That's so irresponsible. But he does it. Case in point, be careful what you want from God. He might just give it to you. God, I don't want you. I'm out. He'll give you life away from him. He will. We don't have a God who goes, well, you're staying. You're going to like this faith thing. No, he's a God who says, you want life without me. I'll give you more life without me. And where does it leave us? Where did it leave the younger son? Spent isolated longing that's life without the father but what do we see when he comes to himself we see, see him receive the love of the father the father sees him from a long distance in other words the father was looking the father was waiting if you're the younger son and this is the first time you've come back You have a heavenly father who saw you from a distance and is ready to welcome you. We don't have the father going like this. Measure up. Go through connecting point. Once you're connected, you're in. (laughs) Give. And I'll see if you're good enough. We'll wait this out. No, we have a heavenly father. It's fascinating just how this father receives the son in love. He runs to him. So here's what running looked like. If you were a distinguished person, if you were the father who owned property like this, you would never run. Running was a disgrace to you. Why? Because you wore a long robe. Okay, ladies, long skirts, you know, down here. You don't run in those. You don't see cross-country people in running, you know, in long skirts. So in order to run, he would have to pull up his robe And Expose his legs another disgrace publicly. You would never show your legs, especially if you're a dude You you would never pull up your, your your robe and run to your son yet this father publicly disgraced himself and ran to his son and Embraced him and kissed him in other words. I accept you That's what he received. He received love from the father and what about the older son? The one who refused to go in, who became angry. Where's the father? The father's with him too. He leaves the party to go after the second son to bring him back. It's fitting, son. It's fitting because this is how I operate. I celebrate lost being found. I celebrate someone who's dead to me, who came alive again to me. That's the love of a father. Looking, running, embracing, kissing. That's the love of the father. And that's what you'll find when you come. That's what you'll find when you come back to the father. Secondly, you'll see a humility of heart. We see this in the younger son. When he gets to the end of himself, he works out a script. And it's pretty intentional. But this is what he says. He says, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your slaves. That's a pretty intentional thing, but it really represents a humble heart, probably even more humble than how the father uh, responded. But it's a picture and Jesus kind of shares it to show us what true confession is. True confession realizes your sin and admits your sin and calls it. And that when you hurt someone, when you steal from someone, when you take from someone, when you're disrespectful to someone, you don't just sin against them, you sin against God. Because you are not loving people the way you've been loved by him. And it's important for you when you have a humble heart and you come back to the father. To express that. I've sinned against you God. And I've sinned against the people I've hurt. If you are the cause of discord and conflict in your family. It is good to seek forgiveness from God. And then to seek forgiveness of your family. It is. That's part of coming home. And I would encourage you to do that. A burden will be lifted from you. But if you are the older brother, we don't see humility of heart. We see this not coming in. Doesn't matter if you're three years old or 80 years old. If you refuse to love the younger brother who comes home, you're that person. You're not humble. And one thing about God, the father, is he always gives grace to the humble. Always. So when you confess to him, you're never left alone in confession and in isolation. You're covered by him. You're received back into him. Just as the son said, I, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he could say, treat me as one of your servants, he just says, stop it. Stop it. Bring out the best robe. Bring out a ring. Put it on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. God always gives grace to the humble. But he gives law to the proud. And so your pride and the second son, his self-righteousness and his prideful spirit got in the way. It will always get in the way of a relationship with God and with others. So the humble road is always the way to go in conflict. But there's also something here. You'll receive acceptance and forgiveness. Here the father almost humiliates himself in public to receive and accept and forgive the son. But there's another side of acceptance and forgiveness and that's your willingness to accept and forgive someone who's hurt you. And the one who really paid the greatest cost in this story is the father. He sold... He sold uh, his property to divide it between the two sons before he died. I mean, he did the unthinkable. And when this person came back, this person, this second, this first son, or, or I mean the second son, the younger son, when he comes back, he he receives this. The one who he owed the most forgave him the most. And so it's a lesson to us that the older brother Just had an issue with the younger brother and then because of the acceptance and forgiveness of the father had an issue With the father And I think that's important for us Because if you have an issue with a group of people or a people who live differently than you or believe differently or vote differently than you You're ultimately Going to have an issue with the father And that's why we need to be careful Because we've been loved and we've been accepted. We've been forgiven. And with that measure, we're to love and accept and forgive others. We receive this. Here's the other thing that the lost find. A willingness to follow. I see this in the younger brother when he comes home and he says, Treat me, or he's planning this, Treat me as one of your slaves. What does the father do? No, you're not a slave. You're a son. You're a son. There was a willingness to follow the father The older brother we don't see this we see him with two hands two arms folded and we see him not willing to follow the father back into the party Where celebration of grace would happen Because ultimately this is the heart of heaven This is the heart of our heavenly father who lives in heaven is that we would be a part of his celebration of grace right now the kingdom of God is called a party. A party. We're called into a great celebration of the dead becoming alive and the lost becoming found. And we're all part of this family that God has invited us in. if we have trusted in Christ, we're in that family. And it's been brought to us by the person and the work of Jesus Who loved us so much that he came to this world and he lived a perfect life because older brother No matter how good you are. You can't get in by your good works You can't get in because of a righteousness of our own If we could get in by performing better and being good and being better church attenders and being Purer people jesus would have never had to come and we can't that's why jesus had to come and live perfectly die finally and and um, rise from the dead to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives. And that's the celebration. The celebration of Jesus in our lives. That is what brings us together here. Not our works. But the righteousness of Jesus that we all can have. None of us deserve being in this family. But all of us are invited in. It's the call. Both sons are lost. Both sons are loved the call the call of the father is come home come home let me ask you real quickly as we close here three questions first one is this and i told you i was going to ask you that which son are you as i talk to people who are new to fellowship uh, it's interesting. We've always wanted to be a church for people who were not connected to a church and were unchurched and uh, were far from God. And we've always tried to be built around going after the younger brother, the one who was just lost. But here's what I find. I find that that younger brother is very typical, that people once grew up in a church or around religion have reconnected. You've come back home. And you feel an acceptance here and it's our desire that you would find the father here You wouldn't just find a family you would find the father You would come back to him and you would humble your heart Call it as god sees it and fall on his grace Everyone everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved if you're a younger brother I pray that you've come back to the father secondly older brothers I grew up in the church, and I've heard it all. I've heard it. Look at how we're growing. We're growing with people who have never been in church. They don't know the Bible. They don't know how to pray. I look around me, and they don't even know where to turn when you open up in the Bible. Who are these people? We got to get over that, older brothers. Because they left because of that. That's why they left. They left because they felt rules and obligations. They left, left because they didn't feel good enough and they didn't like places that just heaped shame and guilt on them of what they don't know. And, and they didn't like to be put down as low and to be self righteously judged. And by the way, that lostness keeps you out of the party, it keeps you away from the father, it keeps you away from the family. You lose when you think you earn it, when you think God owes it to you, when you tout how much you've done and how little others have done. And you think, especially when you go through a difficult time, what have I done to deserve this? Because you think God helps good people. And the reality is, is there's no promise that health, wealth, and prosperity will happen when you follow Jesus. Some of the people who have suffered the most have been the most faithful followers of Jesus. He doesn't keep track. Because he loves you unconditionally. And we're thankful for that. Which son are you? And secondly, have you come home to the father? Younger sons... Who walked away and now are back. Understand you have a heavenly father. Who's been looking for you. And has found you. And you have come to a place like this. To receive. To receive his welcome. To receive his compassion. To receive his acceptance and his forgiveness. So accept it right now. That's what salvation is. It's accepting God's completed work for you. You can do that right now. Don't leave here. Without taking God up on the offer of salvation that he's given you without allowing him to cover you with his robe and forgive your sins. Say simply this way, God, I get it now. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others. I get it. I, I turn from my sin to trust and follow you. I believe you. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call out to him, he will save you. All through the person and the work of Jesus. Older brothers. There's got to be a time when you realize you're lost. And and I think that's where the older brother gets blinded so easy. By performance and good works and and self-righteousness. Is it blinds you from the father. And, And that's why in the end. At the great judgment. There will be people who said, Lord, Lord, I showed up every week. I, I even did all these good things. And he'd say, get away from me. I don't know you. Because they were lost in themselves, in their performance. And they didn't need Jesus. And they didn't fall on grace. Folks, come back to the Heavenly Father who loves you, no strings attached. And love him. Love him. And let obedience follow your love. But let love lead your relationship with God and ask him if you're struggling to love him, ask him for more love because he gives you more of what you want, right? God, I want life away from you. He'll give you more life away for God. I want more of you. He will give you more. What are you asking of God? Because he answers prayers. Have you come back to the father? Have you turned from your way and your righteousness and humbled your heart and accepted the completed work of Jesus? Some of us who have been around church the longest amount of time have found our confidence and our walk with Christ built on our performance and our works and coming to Christ, especially for this group. You may not see it, but the Bible calls it and Jesus really reveals it. We're lost and we need to come back to the Father. Turn from your righteousness and accept the righteousness only Jesus can give you and trust in him. Come, have you come home to the Father? And then finally, let's bring this back to our relationships. What is God calling you to do in the conflict? Over the course of this weekend, it's been interesting as I've heard stories from people, how they've responded to this story as it's been preached. And here's what I hear. Joe, I'm the younger brother. And uh, man, I hurt my family. And I hurt my parents. And I want to come back to that. What do I need to do? Think about the phrases of the younger brother. i sinned against heaven and i sinned against you. Call it. Admit it. You've been blind to it. And come back home. Restore those relationships. Seek forgiveness from the people you've hurt. And come back home. And then I've heard, second group, I've heard, Joe, this is my family. And my sister's an addict. And She's acted out and she's torn apart the hearts of mom and dad and she's reaped havoc and we've spent My parents have spent so much money trying to get her out of rehab and all and she just keeps going back and i'm the older Brother and i'm going man. She's got to get her life up before I love her again And i've cast her out and I need to come back home And I need to love her You see we all have an example as older brothers We all have an example. His name is Jesus, our brother, who left his home to go after the lost. And it was customary in that day that if the brother or sister was lost, the oldest child would go and search for them. This brother named Jesus left his home in heaven to come and seek and save the lost. We have an example. His name is Jesus, And he brings us back to the Father. Follow Jesus and leave your home and restore. If it's a phone call, if it's an email, whatever you need to confess to that younger child, younger brother of yours, not child of your parent, but brother or sister of yours, restore. Confess it. Don't even, if I could just be honest, don't wait for them to confess back to you. If you've harbored bitterness or anger, don't vent to them. Don't go into great detail of all the hurt. That's venting. It's good for you just to go, I want to let you know that God's been working on my heart. And I forgive you. I forgive you. And I love you. And I'm committed to you. You're my family. And watch when you're just available with God's love, what he will do in it. And I have heard of God doing incredible things, sometimes immediately, and sometimes they'll never forget, but years later, they'll remember. Realize you're part of God seeking and saving the lost. Let's follow our older brother, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you, just as I look over everybody in this room right now, the potential of this message being applied in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It just, Lord, it makes me want to celebrate and rejoice. We have hope. We have a direction. We have restoration in our future if we follow you. So however you're going to do that, whether we're the younger or the older brother, work on our hearts. Bring us back. Bring us into your mission of seeking and saving the lost. Whether it's us or whether it's others. May we rejoice when one sinner repents and restored back to the Father. It's in his name that we pray and for the glory of Jesus that we trust you. Amen.